Welcome to another episode of Wicked Smart. I'm your host, Lucas Bean. Their marketing strategies, according to how things work within, you know, I, I, I don't know, Web3, I was going to say Web3 again, but DeFi space or on the internet. You can say Web3, um, say web three, dude. Don't worry about it. I, we both know what we're talking about. It's just the blockchain layer of the internet. I mean, that's all it really is. We're just, we're just, it's, it's semantics. It doesn't matter. Go ahead. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so. I've, I've seen the struggles of people have that, that area, but you've combined it really well. Yeah. Like I call it a fusion of the, you know, the, the, that, that IRL type world coming into DeFi. There's that combination because there is, there's different, there's, there's, there's variables which are quite different to what you have in IRL, but then there's still the foundation level of marketing that you need to apply. Have you seen the same thing? Like you've obviously come from that traditional world into this environment and adjusted amazingly well. Was it a struggle for you initially when you came in? So that is an that is one of the most amazing questions I've been asked uh, so far. People don't really care. <laughs> they usually go, "What do you think the difference is?" And I'm like, uh, "There's there are some differences, but it doesn't really change." I mean, if here's the thing with with marketing that most people don't understand, it's that it's the most difficult problem solving role in any company, right? And that's the reason why most of the time I was put in charge of marketing or general management of the company, which is basically running all of the efforts of a company. So that's it. I mean, if you're a good problem solver, you'll be a good marketer. And it's not like you could just go into marketing on the internet. And I call it, all of this is marketing on the internet. There's nothing we're using right now that's Web3 tools to market to people on the internet right now. It's just they're buying digital assets, right? Don't, the digital assets thing isn't even new. Like you're buy, It's like selling an app from the app store just online. There's really almost no difference except for the supply and the you know people building hype and stuff around that. So here's the difference, I think. There are gatekeepers in this space that make marketing in this space unfair instantly before you even try to market in this space. There are like 27 hands you, uh, and with the rings on them that you have to kiss in order to make sure your project does well because there's not enough people in the space to actually make a difference. So if you do not kiss the right rings, they won't talk about your stuff. If you don't pay the right people to say, oh yeah, they entered the space correctly, then it will never work for you. If you don't have the right connections, it'll never work for you. It just does. That's just the way it is. So this space, the reason why this space is different from my, again, this is from my humble opinion. So don't, you can't take this with a, you know, as like, you know, word is bond, but I could tell you, man, if you don't have the right connections in this space, you can do marketing all day long and no one's going to support your project. If you pay the right people, they will support your project or they'll keep quiet or whatever the case may be. As long as all of the gatekeepers in the space are, are getting paid to gatekeep, um, and you're paying them and you're going down the right path by making them more rich, I promise you, your project will be successful. The only difference in the real world versus this world is that it's actually the, the, that has something to do with budgets. Now, if you have, and don't get me wrong, budgets work on both sides, right? So budgets in the, in the, let's just say pre blockchain era where there aren't like, you know, 10,000 people controlling everything. I would say that it's easier to market because the, the, playing fields leveled you could actually find like a, a, a display hack you know like a, a 
an ad where you run with an influencer and the inf- and then you amp that influencer's ad so it gets all these social impressions for free. In this world, there are literally you're marketing to the same, you know, 50,000 or less people and obviously way less people trading nowadays. So in the bull market, you had, I don't remember how many active wallets, but I think it was like just over 100,000 or maybe 150,000 wallets, I think maximum. And I think I also read an article where it was like 26,000 wallets controlled 86% of the marketplace. (laughs) Um, So if you think of it like that, you're basically marketing to like a very small, tiny subset and to try and get those people hyped up. Think of it as like a college or a high school. And I, and I always liken it to a high school because a lot of the stuff that happens in this space is like high school. It's like if you're not sitting at the popular kids table in the lunchroom and, you know, you know, the, they're knocking your trays over they're you know, they're doing all sorts of stuff. You're the, you're the dork coming in with a really cool project. And like I said, if you don't, if you're just not like in the right circles, kissing the right rings, stuff like that, you just, your project won't do well. And that's the thing. Like you could actually run advertising, email campaigns, all sorts of stuff in the real, in like the non-blockchain layer uh, form of the internet, which I don't really like calling the acronym stuff. Like I said, I think it's terms that are made up by like people like me, again, marketing people to make it easier for other people to understand what they're doing. You know, like that's why I don't really like uh, using web three versus web two, but it's a, you know, cause it's the same internet. The internet hasn't changed. We just added a blockchain layer to it. Um, so, but that's still not the wrong thing to say, right? You can still say web three. It's just my preference. I'm trying to get away from it. It's kind of like getting away from calling them NFTs. Eventually we're all not going to call them NFTs too. We're going to say, Hey, what do you, Oh, look at that. Look at that. Uh, look at that asset. Oh, okay, cool. Is it on chain? And that's about it. I think that's, that's going to be the question. Is it on chain is going to be the ultimate question for this stuff. And, uh, I think, I think that's where we have to get to so that people have this, this frictionless onboarding and everybody's all talking about like, you know, Hey, how do we onboard, you know, how do we mass onboard people? I'm like, I keep telling them, I'm like, Amazon's going to do that. Like, let's not focus on us mass onboarding. Let's let the big companies with the big dollars, mass onboard these people it might not be the perfect way to do it but it's like it's way cheaper to let big companies spend a lot of money trying to get people into a category and like supporting them would be a really good idea right support the people who are bringing them in like starbucks like their odyssey program they're onboarding people and the people that probably have those nfts don't even know they have nfts that is the way frictionless onboarding same thing with reddit reddit did the exact same thing 95 plus percent of the people that have a Reddit NFT don't even know they have an NFT. They still to this day don't know. And it feels like forever since it launched yet people still just don't know they have an NFT and that's okay. You know, like six months from now, 12 months from now, when they realize, you know what I mean? Like when the market on Reddit and you know, people start spreading the word naturally and they start to realize down the road, Oh wow, this is cool. Like I, I didn't know I had an NFT whoa, I already had one. And then eventually maybe they could take that NFT and it gives them access to something or they could sell it on the secondary or whatever the case may be. But man, the the marketing onboarding on this, like if it was actually really tactical and you had to actually solve problems and make like hype from the ground up, that would be actually kind of easy. But like I said, there's there's people in this space that have like a foothold that you actually have to go to 
literally like the mafia to get approval to do something with a project or launch something new. And if you don't go through those right steps, you, your project will not probably do well because it's not a bull market anymore. I mean, it's just, that's just the facts you go. I could, I could literally market anything. You could give me like the worst I, I iOS app and, you know, touch it up so it doesn't crash, make it work. And you could go out there and talk to some influencers and run some, you know, paid ads and stuff like that and knock that thing out of the park. Yes, it would suck. The app would still suck. And yes, I would never market something that sucks because no amount of marketing dollars can, can make a, uh, a shitty project or a product successful. And uh, once I saw that it didn't work and stuff, I would say, look, I'll market for you guys. Like, I'll help you solve this problem. But you have to get to, to here with an app that actually is useful and has utility and all this stuff. Otherwise I'm not, I'm not working with you guys. It's just not worth it. Like I, I don't want to like market some shitty product, like product, like that just doesn't make any sense. So there's no amount of marketing dollars that could fix a shitty product. The thing is like NFTs are a virtual good, right? And just it's not like everybody that has an iOS phone or an Android phone loves NFTs. Like think about how small of a segment, especially now, there is, and you're marketing to these people. And guess what? All these people talk to each other. <laughs> All these projects, you know, project founders talk to each other and they're just like, Hey, how much they, you know, they, they want to get paid too. And you know, the people that run audio spaces, again, another, a new, a no whole nother click of people that will absolutely gatekeep you out of the space if they don't like, and you don't, they don't like you. And if they don't pay, you don't pay them enough. Um, you know, Michael's been in the space longer than me. I mean, like, especially heads down in the space. I've been, I, I entered the space in August of 2020, but I didn't really talk to anybody in the space because I was just like, I didn't feel like I belonged in the space right away either. Um, even though I've been in tech, you know, startups in tech for like my entire career, I still was like, wow, these guys are really, I had my, I had my profile picture on. Listen to this, Tim. This is how much they don't like outsiders in this space. I came into this space doing audio spaces like 12 plus hours a day in the last week of April of 2021. And because I had my profile picture of myself on my profile, they were, they tried to like cancel me off of NFT Twitter because I, because I had my, my, my real face on no joke until I switched it. They like created like little digital mobs to try and like take me out. So I was like, why, like, why are you guys doing this? <laughs> it's so weird. So that just proves to you like what the mentality is in this space. And there's a lot of, in the, some of the stuff in regular spaces are amplified here. So, you know, the whole like cancel culture, well, guess what? People get canceled out of this space for like doing things that wouldn't get them canceled out of a space in like the regular, you know, startup and tech space. Like it just would be, oh yeah, just don't do that again. Thanks man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Here it's like, oh, let's run them out of town. <laughs> Let's burn them at the stake. Everybody get them. 2,700 people all tweeting and writing threads about them and all this stuff. I'm like, guys, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you really have nothing to do if you're writing threads about people like this. It's kind of funny to me. So anyway, Tim, that's my, that's the, the prisoner's dilemma. When you enter this space, like, you have to understand who the right people are. And... Yeah, I think it's it's all about that. Like you could build an amazing Discord, you could build an amazing community in that Discord, and all it takes is one person to spread one rumor, and then all of a sudden, no one's like interested in your project anymore. All it takes is you know a, 
a group a group chat of like 25 people that are influential in the space and say, Hey, did that person pay you? Did that person? No, they didn't get paid by that, that project or that, that company. Oh, well then let's just not talk about it at all and ignore it. So there's no hype being built in those communities that run those like morning spaces and evening spaces. And if you're not talking about it, if you're not a founder who also doesn't understand the value, there's another piece to him is if you don't understand that you're a founder and you need to be, you think Twitter spaces are useless you're already failing, instantly failing. People want to hear from you, talk to you, have access to you. If you want a successful project, and I, I call them businesses because that's what they are, a successful business, you got to be in Twitter spaces and talking to the people, letting them hear your beliefs on things, letting them hear your, you know, like, like your example of what, what you're building, like why you're building it, like what's the purpose? Like, are you building it for IP? Are you building it for this or that? You know, like, that's another thing I think a critical mistake people make is like not coming into Twitter spaces enough. So yeah, go ahead, Tim, one more, just, and this is, this is about more like, this is more about Michael today. So uh, right after this, Michael, how you doing by the way, bud? <laughs> doing great guys. <laughs> sorry. We got into a conversation. Right before, sorry. We got in the convo right oh, before good. we got here, brother. Go ahead, Tim. Good. I, I was thinking, I, I look at the current generation. I've been in DeFi for a long time, but spaces, you know, when it sort of started across and the NFT projects started really developing the community behind this concept of their product that they were still sort of developing. And, you know, we, we didn't really see intrinsic value come out. But I look at it as a fa the first generation of, um, of you know, of, again, I'm using the web-free notion, but in terms of the development on the foundation of what we're looking to create. And, you know, in the real world, remember that huge phase of entrepreneurship? So we saw entrepreneurial university degrees, diplomas and we saw millions of people flock in wanting to become business owners yeah become instant millionaires but only you know four to five percent if not that actually went past that establishment phase because you have to develop certain skill sets certain experience commercial acumen so when i look at the current generation where we are now there's a lot of people i think it's fast-tracked a lot of people to develop those skill sets but they haven't developed a lot of those soft skills are still continuously evolving. And I think the next generation that's going to come, we're going to see this new iteration of people more refined and we're going to see better product. We're going to see better service, better communities being built because you need experience to be built. But I also think that, you know, when I look at web I look at the, the, the new iteration of worldwide web. When worldwide web first came out in my generation, I remember my parents, they were very resistant. I think every older person was resistant to go online for banking and look where we are now. What, what actually ended up happening with World Wide Web was um, everything became about the user experience and the, and the front-end UI. And I think that's where we're going to evolve inevitably within crypto, where everything... So we're at this foundation level, and we're just going to see the next generation improve the user experience, where eventually it becomes so seamless, it becomes so easy. You know, atomic swaps are becoming a huge thing where... Um, no longer is it a concern about being on a specific chain. There's just going to be this cross-pollination of various chains, yeah. interoperability of assets. But I think that's where development's naturally going to evolve into, like we saw it in World Wide Web, where it was so it limited from dial-up. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to cut you short, but it sounds like you're going to keep going. So I'm. Uh, let's talk about this, no, Mike, Tim. Tim, we should talk more about this, my man. Like, I actually agree. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, people are literally what they call fucking around and finding out right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, let's, you know, a lot of developers are just like building things and they don't know what they're even going to do with some of these things. And they just build them and they're just like, oh, cool, this is this worked. And then they just let it go. And there's a lot of people that 
I think in the space that came on, this is like an, uh, like a, I don't know how to explain it any better than no one had to put in the time to all of a sudden now they're in tech where, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I actually think that's a great thing. It's usually tech is very siloed. You actually have to put in your time. You actually have to like go to school, you know, and not always, by the way, of course, if you're a developer, go to school, be a developer, uh, be, you know, if you're a developer, then, you know, you could rise through the ranks and be a manager at a company or a startup and the startup sells and all that stuff. Like the whole idea of having a career in like startup, the startup and tech space, which this still is, by the way, the startup and tech space, it actually required you actually having a skill set where so many people, all they did was buy NFTs and all of a sudden they were in the space. Like we are mixing and mingling people who have amazing technical skills, like amazing coders, right? Amazing security people, amazing, all sorts of types of people that actually know what the fuck they're doing. And then you have a bunch of people who come in and like talk about how, you know, you know, web three, this and web three, that, and the, and the only web three real experience or internet experience they have is I bought an NFT, you know, 24 months ago. And now I'm supposedly an advisor and I'm a genius and like the tech space. And it's like, you're mixing and mingling people who actually have like 10, 15, 20 years of like tech knowledge and skill sets of building companies, building software, SaaS, you know, SaaS solutions, all that stuff. And then you're mixing those with people who are kind of like, they don't know what the F they're doing, but they're like talking the talk. They're just not being able to walk the walk. And that's the problem here I see. Once we shed those people who are not stepping up and learning a new skill so that, you know, they can backfill, oh, I was a genius in the bull. Everybody was a genius in the bull market. If they don't backfill their skill set into this space, then we should, they should kind of like get churned out automatically, get churned out of the space because they don't really have value. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's all about value. If, if I don't offer value, I shouldn't be on the internet, but I offer a lot of value, right? And I know I do. And I, I've been able to build stuff and things, you know, like software and all sorts of stuff. Like I'm able to look at numbers and, you know, all that stuff. So those are the kind of skills you need to be successful in any space, right? You can't just enter... Um, tractor trailer truck driving unless you have a tractor trailer you know driver's license and you have to go to school to like get that license yeah i know the autonomous trucks are coming um, but if you actually had to do something that was like highly technical like driving a big rig truck you got training for that they didn't just go someone just didn't just go buy a trailer tractor trailer and go okay i'm a, I'm a truck driver now and they, they're just like the truck the truck sitting in there you know, their driveway and they're like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a truck driver. I mean, that's literally what's happening in the space. They bought an NFT and now they're, they're, you know, web three people. And it's like, wait, what? No, you didn't get the license to like drive the truck. you just bought, you just bought an NFT. You just bought like the, the truck. <laughs> you don't even know how to drive it yet. And uh, it takes a lot of skill to like learn how to back that truck up and all these things. I've never driven it on big rig. I just know that, you know, it's a technical skill. It's kind of like buying an airplane. You could buy an airplane. But if you don't know how to fly it, you're pretty much got a useless airplane. And if you go try to fly it, you'll probably crash and die. Like that's, <laughs> that's what's going on here. Again, like I said, I'm not saying everybody's like that. I'm just saying there, there are categories and opportunities in this space 
that were a lot like the web one space where, you know, people, honestly, even the web one space wasn't like this. And let me tell you the difference just real quick. And then we're going to get to Michael in web one, when people were asking for money, when they were just like handing it out with a PowerPoint presentation and a dream, basically what is a, what was going on then they actually had business experience. Some of the people actually had software development experience, even though there's not much software and internet code writing back then where, you know, there wasn't like CSS, there wasn't like HTML uh, five. There wasn't any of this stuff that we think of from like the web two era. There was literally just websites that looked clunky and operated. If you get a website up and it looked halfway decent, you were an internet company or a startup. So I think even those people had crazy more skills than the people that entered this space by buying an NFT. Like again, an NFT does not just cause you bought an NFT does not mean you're, the, you're part of the, you know, you're part of like web three. It's kind of like saying, Hey, I bought an NFT. I'm now a full stack JavaScript developer. No, I'm not. No, I am. I bought a, I bought an NFT. Like I, I got the NFT. We're good. Like, no, dude, you got to have the skills to back it up with. And that includes, hosting spaces, building community, you know what I mean? Like, you know, discord mods, all that stuff. Yes. Talking to a community is a lot easier than coding in like full Java or, or JavaScript and then, or any kind of other, you know, Python, anything. Right. But it's soft. It's what we call like a little bit softer skills and it's community. Like community building is literally monitoring a discord is not super difficult. It does take a lot of, I mean, a lot of time to understand like humans and stuff like that, but it, I don't think it really is that hard. All you're doing is managing a, a group chat. Um, so, I mean, those are the categories that there's so many jobs, so many opportunities here to fill those spots. And that's where they should start. You know, you buy an NFT and you want to get into like really like the, the startup and tech space that includes Web3, then run a Discord, you know, like, you know, be an, be an ad, like an admin or a Discord mod, a junior mod, whatever it takes, and build your credentials up from there. Um, I just don't see a lot of that happening. I do see a lot of people going, I want to be in Web3, I want to be in Web3, I want to be in Web3. And then I do see a lot of people going and just saying they're in Web3 and they're, they're project advisors and how bad, you know, certain NFT projects launched. They should have done this better. They should have done that better. And Really, the answer is every time I hear someone complaining about a project that launched and it should have been better is at the end of that sentence, every time is they should have paid me as an advisor. That's really what they wanted. They want the money. So they're complaining about like a good example is Porsche, the 9.911 ETH program. Everybody, I heard everybody in Twitter spaces and stuff like that. Like, they should, man, they really screwed up. They should have paid me to advise. Oh man, they really blew it. They should have paid me to advise. It's like, dude, no one's going to come and just pay you to advise on what? Like, what are you advising on? <laughs> they had people that advised them and they still didn't kiss the right rings and talk to the right people, just like all the other places do. There is a path to success here and it's because this space is so small, there are people that control the entire space. If you don't talk to them, your project won't mint out simple as that all right enough of that michael what's up what, what's me, going on let Lucas? Me, let me kick my let me take let me kick my intro real quick if you don't mind michael i'm gonna say welcome to another episode of wicked smart i'm your host lucas bean on this audio cast we highlight 
wicked smart people and technology. And I'm, it's my absolutely my pleasure to have Michael K on board our chat today. What's up, Michael K? Good to see you, Lucas. Actually, we ran into each other at NFTLA, so it was I'm, definitely a surprise yeah. to see you there. Dude, I was psyched to see you, man. It was been it's been way too long, man. It was really, really good to see you. Um, I want to I want to introduce my host, also my co-host, Brad. His uh, he's the head blockchain developer over at NFT Now. So welcome. Uh, what's going on, Brad? GM gang, glad to uh, glad to be here. Right, I like your crypto more, dude. And with the with that Thanks. said, we 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 pounce over to uh, Mintify for our daily report, real quick. Mintify, why don't you uh, kick that pig and give us like tell us what's going on, man? Sure. Uh, first, man, of- your voice is so clear. <laughs> thanks, thanks. All right. Uh, yeah, let's roll through this real quick so we can get back to the uh, star of today. The 24-hour Ethereum market volume, uh, 16.8 million, actually up 31, almost 32% from yesterday. The Solana uh, market volume, just under 3 million, up almost 2% there as well. Highest sale, not too crazy. It's actually been a little bit, um, a little bit more calm recently on these. 96.96 ETH for Board Ape 77.44. The top gaining index, top 50 game has actually been here for the past few days, but cooling down a little bit now. 0.6% up, led by Pixelmon, 0.28, up 8%. Imposter Genesis Aliens, 0.43 ETH floor price up 6% and Kaiju Kings haven't seen this one for a while but I know that it's got a great community 0.16 ETH floor price up 3% the top losing index top 20 art down 1.6% led by uh Jack Butcher's collections <laughs> today Merge VV the uh number one loser 0.02 ETH floor price down 16% and Checks VV 0.72 ETH floor price down 13 percent lastly fontana by harvey rayner from art blocks 3.2 eth floor price down 12 percent a whole bunch of uh market uh market news Ticketmaster launched nft gated ticket sales the feature was piloted by avenge sevenfold and the response from buyers has been quite positive coinbase this this is my personal favorite by the way right here coinbase is working on inflation pegged flat coins to hedge against economic uncertainty caused by the legacy financial system I think that's pretty cool. Um, MicroStrategy paid off its $205 million loan from Silvergate for a 22% discount and bought another 6,455 Bitcoin. And the CFTC sues Binance and CZ, but on the positive, did state that Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin, and I believe they said among others, are commodities. So that's, uh, that's pretty nice to hear. It seems like there's a little war going on between the SEC and CFTC. What's and up with the- that? <laughs> they both want to establish control, it seems like. Um, I guess we'll just have to see who comes out victorious in their uh their, their determination of whether they're, you know, securities or commodities. Um it's it's not an easy judgment, honestly, with all of the rules that they have. They're extremely old rules from like the twenties or whatever it is. They're very old. Um Right. Yeah, no, it's insane that we're still basing it off of these rules and we haven't made new ones, but that's how the government works, apparently. <laughs> Uh, to tip it off, the global crypto market cap, $1,132.5 billion, holding pretty steady above $1 trillion. Bitcoin dominance, 46%. Open interest, $7.73 billion. And fear and greed at 59 It's been hovering right around this area for the past two weeks or so. With Bitcoin 
26,900 down 1%, and Ethereum 1737 down 0.78%. With traditional, the S&P 3969 down 0.21%. So all pretty, uh, moving together pretty well. That's all, and thank you. Fear and greed. Did I not say the fear and greed? I don't think you did. No, I think you did. I, I just wanted to did. say I wanted to say it again though. It's kind of like <laughs> fifty-nine. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I get a kick out of that name, man. Oh, fear and greed index. It's like Jesus. Honestly, it's it works really well. Like if you I believe if, it. You can trade the like extreme outliers for fear and greed and actually do pretty well. Nice dude. All right. Um, let's get to Michael here. Michael. Lucas saw I mean, Michael man for the, the first time in so long, just this past week, man. It was such a good thing to see you, man. You're, you're good people. So no, I appreciate you, man. I remember, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, starting up the space and it's been crazy. It's been a crazy ride. And, uh, it was, it was interesting listening to you the first 20 minutes and, and kind of breaking it down. And it kind of reminded me of some examples. Uh, if you don't mind, I could, please, I could please. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so one of the analogies that I've been giving is uh, we can't expect our friends, our family, and the masses to like completely understand what they're looking at, right? Like right. to learn solidity, to understand all signatures, to really take a look at the code of a smart contract and figure out what's going on. It's not practical. Um, I think in order to scale, and I think this is what like like you stated, Amazon and, and stuff like that are doing different companies like Reddit. You have to get to the point where people are using NFTs without knowing that they're NFTs, right? Absolutely. So, yep. so I think a really good example is, you know, you walk up to an ATM machine. So when you're interfacing with an ATM machine and you're pulling your money out of one bank from, you know, from another bank's ATM machine, you're not really caring about the underlying technology, right? You don't care about the software. You don't care about the hardware or the inner workings of that ATM machine. You just, you just money. care. Exactly. You just, you just look at it and you say, okay, two, two to three clicks. I got my money. It's, it's secure. It's fast and it's done. So man, that gas, think, that, sometimes that gas fee though really hurts at those ATM machines. On an ATM, Especially yeah. in another country. You're like, wow, it's a $20 gas fee. Like what's that? About? Yeah. Or, or if, <laughs> if you're in the, if, if you're in some sort of establishment, the gas fee could be much higher, but um, <laughs> either way. So, so the concept that I'm trying to get across is uh, I think it's going to be very important to have tooling that makes these interfaces a lot easier to work with, right? So that we are at the point where people are using blockchain and 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 using uh, NFTs and crypto without knowing that it's actually NFTs, blockchain, and crypto. So what we've done at WalletGuard, which we've been working on this application for the past year, and shout out to the WalletGuard team. Uh, you know, we we've really been you know putting our entire lives into this. We actually. Um, all moved to Texas in order to work on this app in the same area, uh, which You're is You're in awesome. Texas? Yes. What? Yes, uh, just, yeah, just came came down here. Uh, Bro, congrats. That's a cool, cool move, man. I, I, last time I knew you were in Florida. Now you're, are, is it Austin or what part of Texas? Yeah, yeah, in Austin, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. Is it's, it it's Fonz? Been, it's been great. Is it Fonz in uh, Austin also? Fonz? Yeah. Isn't he, you know, token proof? Oh yeah, I I'm, I think so. Yeah, I token. I'm pretty sure he is. There's a lot of. There's actually quite a bit of pe good, like good people in that uh, in the Austin area. Yeah, I think. So. And, and Chris uh, Neancat is yeah, in Dallas. Texas. Yeah, Dallas. Yeah, yeah, he's in Dallas. Yeah, but but yeah, essentially the the concept of what I'm trying to say is 
the interfaces that we're dealing with, you know, they, they're very bare metal. When you're looking at a transaction in MetaMask, you're not getting much information. You're, you, generally, it's the gas fee that you're paying, but you don't understand what exactly is happening in the background. So uh, with the right tooling and at WalletGuard, we've been working on our transaction simulation for the past five months, and we released that about a month ago. The goal was, hey, how do we get all this information in one window? How do we make it easy enough for my grandma to understand? And how do we block you know, these malicious drainers and, and contracts and signatures that are just trying to take our assets? Because like you said, I mean, there's a lot of players in the space that aren't here to progress the space. They just want to, you know, basically get assets from you. They want to get into your wallet, whether it's through social engineering, whether it's being in your DMs for months, acting like your friend, and right. then one day sending you that link. Uh, I, I've seen it a million times. Um, there has to be some level of security. And I'm not onboarding anybody into the space without some tooling. And and WalletGuard has definitely been, you know, that savior for me, which is why I joined the team. And and it's been amazing working with them and, and building this app and building this educational repository of how to actually DYOR, bro. Like, how many times, Lucas, have you heard in spaces? Dude, you're on the <laughs> phone with me when that shit happened to me. Don't forget. <laughs> you were the guy. Right, yeah. Yeah, that was, That's uh, still, that was crazy. I still have PTSD from that shit. I have not minted anything from a website after that situation has happened ever again. Yeah. Never. Yeah. That was how again. long ago was that? That was like a year January fourth, twenty twenty two. Trust me, I can never forget it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was that was before I even knew Wallet Guard existed. So yeah, <laughs> that was nuts, dude. That was nuts. Ugh. It was, but but look, you know, people bounce back. We're yep. all here to help each other. You know, um, you got to find the right people. Don't believe anything that you're getting in a DM because, like, I I personally, uh, you know. I've met a lot of people at NFT events of NFT NYC, NFT LA, or Basel. It's great to interface with people in real life, but at the same time, you gotta you gotta have your guard up. You know, you, you don't 100%. know who's on the other end. And 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 even sometimes, Lucas, the legitimate accounts get compromised and you don't know if it's a real link coming through. I mean, how many times have we seen Discords get compromised or Twitters get compromised? Of Twitters, official yeah. Projects? Yeah, I was going to say Bored Apes even got, they got compromised a bunch of times uh, and Beeple, uh, his account got compromised, you know, like right. all these big pro like big projects and also big artists. And then like, right. there's nothing you can do about it if you get drained from someone like that either, which is interesting, you know, so. Right, yeah, that's why, that's why for us it's like, hey, okay, like, we can have all the security in the world, but nothing's a hundred percent secure, right? You could, you could have an antivirus, you could have a firewall, you could have wallet guard, whatever the case is an ad blocker. But at the end of the day, you still got to like, keep your eyes open. Uh, cause it, cause it really is self custody and you are your own bank, right? You want to make sure to, to be weary of what's in front of you, but that's why it's not practical for the masses right now to show up. You know, you we, we, the it's a, it's in its infancy. Right. So I think we'll, we'll get there. You know, with tooling, with the right tooling and education, but education alone is not enough. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Michael. You, that's very very smart thing of you to say. Education is not enough first, because you know, let's be honest, education like you retain maybe 50 percent of whatever you learn, and then you just go about your way. You know, like you don't remember a lot of the stuff, and and even when you provide free education. And I've done that a lot. Like I've, I released an NFT 101 course back in August of 2021 for free. 
And, you know, I looked at the numbers of those people going through that course and it was like close to 10,000 people took the course or at least started the course, right? Like from my Twitter spaces. Um, And I would say 90, it was like 89% actually is the number made it about 20% through and it just stopped. And that's like the normal stats for like getting educated online, like taking online like a video course that literally walks you through step by step what to do and what not to do. This is a really well thought out like course that was built and, you know, giving it away for free, thinking it was helping people, you know, and, and to come to find out like 89% of the people just were not, we're not going all the way through the course. <laughs> I was like, what? yeah, I mean, I, look, <laughs> look, you could, you could have the best OPSEC operation, you know, operational security in the world, right? Look, yep. look at, look at what happened with Kevin Rose. Look at what happened with NFT God. You know, it's not to say that they weren't vigilant about their own security, but if it's the middle of the night and you're not really paying attention and you click on the wrong thing, you got to have something in front of you that's acting as a line of defense. 100%. So, yeah, Mintify, you got your hand up. Yeah, you know, I just wanted to say that, um, you know, if, if that course, that free course, that uh, the Web3 educational course, if you charged like three or five dollars for it, they would have done you, the whole thing. <laughs> exactly. You Can I tell like, you, dude? I, I a lot less people signing up, but everybody would have completed it. I, so <laughs> I, I know, I know those market dynamics too. I know exactly what you're talking about. People don't value things that they get for free, right? And yeah. I totally get it. I, I, I'm a pricing guy, so. I wanted to actually charge just for that reason, right? Something ridiculously small, but large enough that they'd be like, oh, okay, well, I paid for this. So I'm going to, I'm going to actually do it. Right. And, uh, yeah, man, I had such pushback when I, when I launched that course, I was like, Hey, you know, like here's the course it's free. You could donate if you want to, and you don't have to give anything if you don't want to, it's free, you know, just, you know, if you want to donate cool and stuff like that, you ask for donations, dude, I got zero, it was zero donations out of like 9,000, like 817 people. And then, um, it was just funny. Like you, no one's here for charity or handouts, right? It's either you charge for the course or you don't. And for me at the time, I thought it was better to get that out into the world for free because I actually was, you know, I really am trying to help community people like on board. I really thought it was like my, my mission, almost like this whole, you know, you habitats for humanity or whatever it is you're volunteering for. Like that was my, that was my, you know, thing I put out and like, Hey, you know, here's a free course and go take it. And it'll literally tell you how to use wallets and how do you, all this stuff. It was literally everything. And you're right. They would have finished it more. I know the numbers like 50, it would probably be like at 50 or 60%. Like people would have like finished the course cause they paid for it. But you know, back in that time also people were really upset at anybody trying to what they quote unquote pull liquidity out of the space. Um, yeah. Try to make money off of people, which by the way, why is it so bad to make money? Like who else do you make money from except for people like Jack butcher? Great example. We just brought his name up earlier. He made millions of dollars selling coursework. I don't know if you guys know that, but that's literally his background. He left his agency started posting on Twitter and Instagram, these amazing visuals of, of quotes, and then sold millions of dollars worth of coursework. Like that's what he did in, in Q4 of 2020, he made over a million dollars in three months just selling coursework. So like, I think it's interesting that like certain, certain people that no one remembers the history of that stuff. Right. 
But other people, like if they have a course, they're like Ty Lopez or something, right? It's just, it's interesting. So, um, the, the most, the most, one of the most unfortunate things is, you know, logging onto Twitter and seeing someone tweeting out, uh, my, 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 uh, my board ape is gone. Or yeah, of course, I, I got, of course, dude. I got rugged. You know what I'm saying? It's and it's the, like it's the worst, dude. It's so fucking dude, bad. It, it is. It's like it's part of your own community, right? You, you're you're like, dude. It could have taken just a little bit of of education or tooling to get that fixed, you know, or or to not run into that scenario. And you know, at WalletGuard, what we've been doing for the past year, you know, we have WalletGuard Academy, which is on our website. Um, it's like an educational repository of of how to actually DYOR you know, keep your wallet safe and stuff like that. Sure. We, we, we've been doing weekly security spaces. We're on episode 35 of our web three security radio and, and we record every episode. So, you know, we welcome people to come and, and listen to previous episodes, get some security alpha. And then we've been, we've been giving out our application, you know, for free. Eventually we will have a premium subscription, um, but we will always have a free version. And to me, it's like, it takes one second to install. If you're really concerned about what it's doing in the background, our repository is available on GitHub. We're open source. Uh, the goal is to be as transparent as possible because building trust, especially in the security field, is the hardest thing to do. So whenever we're working with communities, and and most recently we've done uh, Chibi Labs, um, which which I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, Nylings. Yeah. Who doesn't love SniperBot? By the way, SniperBot's coming on to the, uh, the cast on Friday. Oh, let's go. Yeah. So he's, I'm sure he'll shout us out. Um, yeah, we've been, we've been, Dude, I, vouch you guys, I vouch for you guys all the time. Like at any of my spaces I host, I'm always like, guys, you want something to like protect you, like get out, get wall guard right now, get the extension. It'll help you out. Like it, it's, I wish I had this when I was in this space, like, you know, early on, I would have, you know, I was thinking about like building a product, building insurance. I talked to like three insurance companies. So if people yeah. actually lost their NFTs, you know what I mean? Like I was trying to white label an insurance product so that people can, you know, get 80 to 90% of their, you know, worth back. And it's just, right. it's too tough. Go ahead. Nah, it, it, it is. But like, you know, you know what I love, bro? It's like we, when, when communities hit us up and they're like, yo, we want to talk about security. Like something happened or like, you know, we want to talk about it before something happens. Right. It's like, to see the founders of communities like actually caring about their users' bags, it's like you have nothing to lose, literally. Right. <laughs> All we're doing is giving away this information and very happy that um, we actually have a strategic partnership uh, with MetaMask. Um, and, and we've been working with Dan Finley, one of the co-founders, for a while now. And, you know, that helped us get our full, you know, pre-seed round done shout out to iosg ventures ethereal ventures and consensus they've they've, they've fully funded us on our pre-seed because they believe in us you know they believe that the tooling you know having something that's just easy to look at and be like okay i'm giving away my nft i'm not minting something for free you know you don't get that information on on, on a wallet transaction or ledger or interface you know it's it's very hard you know to to assume that you know, my friend or, 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 or my family member is going to really know what they're doing when they click on mint a free NFT. Like, how'd you get to that link? Did you, did you type this incorrectly? Like, how'd you end up on this page? So, you know, having some line of defense there, I think is super important. And it's really cool to see a lot of the communities coming together and being like, Hey, you know, let's talk about this, you know, let's not make it so freaking boring. Like, I don't want to sit around and like, you know, just talk about security and like what not to do. I want to show you like, yo, I'm about to connect my wallet that has six board apes in it to this malicious contract. And I'm going to show you how it gets blocked. 
like that's exciting you know that's what dgens want to see they want to be like yo that's actually something that i ran into you know and to see live examples i think is is a really really big game changer you know that we're confident that the tooling is there and you know we're able to 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 try to throw anything we can at I like it, man. I do. I think it's amazing what you guys are doing. Let's hear more about you though. If you don't mind, I usually do, you know, like origin stories of like people that come onto these, come onto my chats. So I'd like to hear more about Michael, the man, the myth, the legend in the, uh, you know, the, the NFT space. Uh, We used to call it the NFT space. Remember that? It was like, we never really, we never said web three. Like, I don't even know where that started, bro. Like, NFT space it is, man. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, it's interesting um, because you were talking about it before. You were saying how like people came into the space and didn't necessarily know anything, you know, yeah. technical or IT, but they buy an NFT and all of a sudden they're, they're experts. Some, exactly, exactly. So a little different for me. Um, I've been in cybersecurity my whole life. Right. Uh, I, I owned an. I, I was the uh, CEO of an IT company that I managed to scale uh, to fifteen thousand customers. I eventually sold my shares and went into uh, blockchain and NFTs and Web3 full time. So I, I had a little bit of, of know-how before stepping into the space. And that's why it was like perfect uh, as a position at WallaGuard because it's like, you know, I was doing cybersecurity in Web2. Well, this is the cybersecurity in Web3, right? Like, how do we protect users? How do we have people understand what they're looking at? But in between that, you know, getting my first NFT uh, which was land in Decentraland, you know, being able to build out different scenes and experiences, working with different NFT projects and brands, vibing with communities like the Last Slice community. Shout out to them in Decentraland who who have always come together and, and made insane builds. Um, you know, scaling from one parcel to 50 parcels by doing this. I mean, I've I've been able to monetize these NFTs to the point where the, the return is is insane like i don't care if they go to zero at this point because i've already made what i need to make on top of it right you're playing so, with the house's money right now essentially essentially it's like Love it. a lot of people come in and they're like okay i'm gonna buy this nft and i'm gonna hold it and then flip it later well i'm coming in and i'm saying well i'm gonna buy this nft and i'm gonna i'm gonna license it i'm gonna monetize it i'm gonna build on top of it i'm gonna i'm gonna make it make me money and i think the majority don't really understand that concept yet um, and, and that's why a lot of people come in and they throw their money at everything and they end up owning a bag of shit that nobody wants and that they can't sell and that they themselves do not like. Right. So absolutely, um, everything I'm buying, I like it, bro. I don't care if it goes to zero. I bought it cause I liked it to begin with. So <laughs> that's really the big difference. Yeah. You, uh, you did great, man. And I, I remember coming in the space and like getting, you know, you even educated me on a lot of stuff that I didn't know about. So I was like, Oh, wow. This is really cool. Like the center land, I didn't know hardly anything about, and you got me into that and, you know, club neon cat. And also like, I just remember rebel bots party at, at your, uh, your estate in Decentraland. You're, you're, you're bringing up memories right now, even <laughs> though, even though it was like within the past year or two years, it feels like, like a hundred years ago. It bro. does feel Great. like, dude, I, here's the thing for me, it feels like it flew by. And at the same time, it was like forever, you know, like it was, I just can't believe that was more like that's going to be over almost what is that going to be three years soon no that's two years yeah it's like two and a half years but it's like you know when those when when situations like that were going down when events like don't were like that were going down like we were living in the moment to the point where like this is going to last forever 
you know? I remember, <laughs> and it, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, it's crazy, like, how I didn't sleep. I didn't power. sleep. So the days felt so long and yeah. I didn't, I couldn't even imagine a life outside of, you know, doing spaces and chatting with everybody all fucking day while I was doing my other work, right. My, my in real life work that was paying my bills, I was still doing spaces, you know, 12, 14, 16 hours a day and hanging out with everybody who just like popped in in the day, popped in at night. And it was just, it was a, it was just a really amazing time to be alive. Like it was, yeah. It was like owning it, a saloon in like a gold rush town. You ever see, uh, uh, what's it called? Deadwood. You guys ever see that that show Deadwood on HBO? You think you think I have time to watch shows? Nah. <laughs> That's, <laughs> dude, you're so you're so 2021, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't yeah. have time, but uh, so there was a show Deadwood back back in the day, and uh, it was a long. It's definitely an old show now, but. Man, the guy's like the guy like ran the town who like who owned the saloon, the first saloon that was in that town, Deadwood, and he basically was the gatekeeper of that space. He owned all the land. You had to go and like say you had to go and like be nice to the guy, give him a good amount of money, all this stuff. It was crazy. I really feel like that's how um, the space is. Do you, Michael? Do you think an NFT project could just like launch right now? Not talk to any influential people in the space at all, and just launch and be you know, a 10, let's just say it's a 10 K project just to be safe. So could a 10 K project launch today without talking to the right people and actually mint out at a, at, you know, with a price, not like a free mint, but a mint out at like, let's just say 0.025. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting question because, you know, sometimes there are catalysts, right? Sometimes there are those random projects where people just vibe with the art or whatever the case is. But the, the, the biggest mistake that I've seen, and you've seen it with major brands as well, is that, they look like a cash grab, right? right? They're not coming in and vibing with the communities, jumping into spaces, investing into a couple of low cap projects, gaining a user base. They're just coming in and saying, hey, we got this. You should buy it now. And <laughs> at the end of the day, like that's not the right formula. And it was interesting hearing you before talking about people saying, well, they could have paid me and I would have been able to handle it for them and whatever the case. That's not really like, like my outlook on the space, right? Like me going into uh, a community space and saying, Hey guys, did you ever think about how you save your seed phrase? Did you ever, did you ever think about the concept that if someone were to find that piece of paper, they would know, or they would, they would immediately have access to your wallet because you kept everything in one place. Did you ever think about maybe memorizing one or two of those words and keeping the rest on paper. So this way, even if they found that paper, they still wouldn't be able to get into their wallet. Like right. that right there is mind blowing alpha for a lot of people, right? right? They're like, holy shit. Like, let me go and get that piece of paper right now and cross a couple of words out, right? So me going in and and, and providing that information for free, I would never have a product, a project like come to me for help and me go, well, you got to pay me for info. You know, that, that that's not how I look at it. Like we're all supposed to be growing together, right? At the end of the day, if your project is successful, you're, you're going to be talking about my project too. So it's, it's very hard for a project to come out of the blue and start something. It's a very rare scenario that it does get minted out, but there has to be some sort of assimilation with what's currently here so that you don't get looked at as just a cash grab or somebody that's just trying to to, to liquidate, you know, people's, people's, uh, funds, you know, into a project that really won't do anything. Yeah. The biggest problem that I see is a lot of projects come in with this massive roadmap of what they're going to do. Uh, let's pretend it's like rentals, right? Like 
you want to do rental properties or car rentals or whatever, they're taking people's money in order to make that a, a, a reality, not the other way around. Meaning it's not a company that's already established coming in and saying, hey, we have this great utility to offer and it's a very low inception cost. It's usually, hey, we're going to be doing this, but you need to pay us first in order to make it happen. I think right. that's really crowdfunding. It's crowdfunding versus, you know, it's not like we're you're crowdfunding against like angel investors who can afford to lose money and stuff like that. I, exactly. totally, I totally get it. And the thing is like there, we're also not forced to buy any NFT. You know what I mean? Like we're not forced to, as people, we do kind of have to take responsibility, including myself. Cause I've, I've bought, I would probably say I bought a lot of bad NFTs. <laughs> I mean, almost all of them now, are like way lower than they were before. So like, do I blame the cool cats for being down, you know, 80%, 85%? No, I blame me for when I bought the NFT and it, it's just, that's just the nature of the game. I, I think it's, I think it's interesting that we like, like a guy, if a guy comes in and goes, Hey, we're gonna have like a, a luxury car. And I heard that one. I don't remember where I, there was a space like eight or 10 months ago where the, some guy was pitching that product right there. You're talking about, and he was like, oh, yeah, buy my, you know, buy an NFT and you can you can have a luxury car in Miami. Like it was a weird it was a weird pitch. And then I was just like, OK, cool. I mean, if people are really interested in like pretending to drive like own and drive Lamborghinis or whatever it is, like fancy cars and you need an NFT for that. Cool. You don't really need an NFT to rent fancy cars. Right. It's right. just a shtick. It's a marketing thing. Like think, NFTs think, are hot. So yeah. You know, you know, one of the things is like, I, I like to host spaces. I like to talk about like projects that I actually like am interested in or like, Same. you know, if one, of my, if one of my friends is working on something and I want to like get them up there to talk about it, that's great. I have never taken money to talk about something. You know what I'm saying? Like I get DMs all day long that are like, Hey, we're a new project. We're trying to get the word out there. We'll pay you five ETH. If you just make this post, I would never ever in my life take money to talk about something that I truly do not believe in, right? And and there's been scenarios where some of the projects that, you know, I've talked about, uh, they were like free mints or open editions where the open edition was like 0 0.003 ETH and it's, you know, $3 to get into the project. And then later on, I'm getting DMs when the floor price is like 0 0.05 and they're like, what's going on? Why is the price going lower from 0.1 to 0 0.05? And it's like, bro, like, the inception price was basically free. I'm not sure what you're complaining about. Why did you buy this? Right. Right. Like, and they have to own that. I mean, that's the Jack. Here's the thing. That's also people, you know, talking about like Jack butcher stuff being down. Like that's ridiculous to me. Like it was so it was either free or cheap to get into like one of his or a lot of his projects checks. I think it was like seven or eight bucks per check or something like that. When they were, when they were like minting, it was super cheap open edition. And people are like complaining right now about it saying, Oh my God, the numbers are down. The, it, the checks. It, it, dude, you go back to the ideology of the creator of that project, right? They, let's say they released an open edition at a very, very low inception price, basically free because they wanted the, the ability for people to own something from them at a very low cost. Everybody else coming in after the fact does not care. Everybody else coming in after the fact just cares about what's the floor price. Am I going to make money? Am I going to be able to flip this? Totally. True. And, and, and that's why I think it, it becomes a little toxic sometimes. I think some people just don't understand the difference between, Hey, buying this because you actually like it, or you want to own something from this 
or buying it because you think it's going to 100x your money. And even then, even then, even if you do 10x, 50x, 100x, you still think you lost. How? It's insane, this is the dude. Only I know, man. This is the only <laughs> space where you can, you can like four or five times your money and then people are still like, oh, I should have waited until it was 20 times my money. It's like, dude, really? Come on. Yeah, it, 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 it is insane, man. It's It's crazy to see, but you know, you got to, it comes full circle back to education. Like, why are you buying this? What exactly are you getting out of it? Are you collecting it because you actually like it? You know, these are things that people don't really hear when they hear their friend going, yo, did you hear about Dogecoin? Go buy some, go buy some. It's like, that's just FOMO factor, bro. That's not. Especially Doge, dude. Like trading cryptos is so different than trading. I would say trading NFTs. And that's the reason why I even got into NFTs like big time. Like at first I didn't, at first I was just helping some people back in 2020, like which I didn't even help. I mean, I think I've told you the story. Like I've literally not, didn't even help them. Like they minted out anyway, without, you know, within like an hour or less. And these guys uh, nowadays, it's just, I don't know, man, I didn't get into the NFT space like deeply into collecting until like April of 2021. So like it's tough and people don't understand like, I don't understand why, why people don't take responsibility for like their purchases. It's like, if you go, Lucas, Lucas, what, what happened, so what happened in 2017, bro? What happened in 2016 and 17, everybody and their moms got Coinbase. Everybody was throwing money at every coin. And eventually 90% of people lost a ton of money. Right. And, and all it takes is a little bit of thought, right? I've had people come to me and say, well, she, you know, we're going to hit a dollar. We're going to hit a dollar, bro. Just take some simple math, right? Take the market cap of the coin, take the amount of coin that's available, do some simple math in between and say to yourself, there's not even enough money in the entire world that's in circulation to get that coin to a dollar. What are you thinking about? What are you doing? They aren't, you know that already. They're not, they aren't thinking. And the reason why they're not thinking is because they don't have basic financial literacy. They don't know like the math. They don't want to think math. And that's where NFTs, I think actually exasperated the issue. Because you you also didn't want to really think of that. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, an NFT collection is much like, I don't want to say it, but is much like a token. You know what I mean? Like someone releasing a token in a way, um, you know, like a, whatever it is, like a ass token, which the you know, Australian Shepherd Society token, whatever the heck. I that, remember that. Yeah, remember seriously, that's brutal. Um, but uh, it was. Yeah, it, it, it is like a token, bro. It's limited quantity, yeah. right? There's a cap on it. Crazy you know, limited. People- yeah, yeah. So, so it's like you're, you're treating it like, okay, there's going to be liquidity inside of the project somewhere and, uh, until people, let's say, assume that it's worthless, right? That That's where the big difference is. It's not like there's a liquidity pool. That I think that's the main difference between an NFT and, and, and the coin, right? Mm-hmm. It, it really is about the sentiment of the project. Um, but, but yeah, man, I mean, like the past three years have definitely been a ride, um, <laughs> been, been it's it's been crazy i actually um also with my parents uh, i think you know about this i i minted them as their first nft it was a mega coda so that changed their lives you wow know, that's been... no way yeah. dude i did not know that part whoa congrats yeah, bro yeah. that's amazing started off with one eth for them and and was able to to scale that up and thankfully you know help them get a, a portfolio that that i'm that i myself am very proud of putting together for them so that that's really the big difference. It's like, what exactly are you investing into? If you are giving advice to your friends and family, 
you don't want to you don't want to be seen a year later as like yo don't listen to him you know it's like it's scary stuff you know like it, it's not financial advice but at the same time you know you want to help people out and you don't want them to miss out on something good because at the end of the day like no one's going to come to you more so than if they were to come to you if something didn't do good right like you're not going to get praise as much as you are going to get talked down upon if something fails which yeah. i which that's just human nature you know so so at the end of the day you know it, it's been really crazy being able to like understand what i'm dealing with and 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 help educate others about it and and i think like security goes hand in hand bro like without the thought of security like we're all hesitant clicking links we're all hesitant oh, browsing yeah. this space heck yeah you know <laughs> So that that's why like spaces like this, tooling like WalletGuard and ad blockers and and revoke cash, which we also uh, you know deal directly with. You know it's it's important stuff. And I think that instead of all of us coming in and shooting in the dark out of the gate, uh, if you just have a little bit of guidance, it can make a night and day difference on on your experience in Web three. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. Hundred percent. I like that. I like your points for sure, my man. Um... It's crazy. Uh, we have definitely been through some tumultuous times, though. That's for sure. It's like, man, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, we've seen. I mean, the amount of stuff that's that's happened. You know, the the you know, remember Beanie and and all these. Dude, like, I miss. I, I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna. Uh, I don't want to hate on Beanie because I actually miss him for the entertainment factor of that guy. Like, he was actually a really good like audio host, like I could sit in this space and learn a bunch and then just have fun. This guy was like, I don't know. I, I thought he was, a, I thought he was good entertainment wise. I never invested in Remember Blute. <laughs> yeah. 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 People were like, I'm going to make a million trillion dollars in Blute. And I was like, dude, you're not going to make It's It's literally, are you kidding me? Like it's fluorescent yeah, it, green. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it was a ride, bro. It was There's a ride. I so many things. Not either. <laughs> So many things like that. There's so many things that I can remember is just from the, uh, the history of this stuff right now. And it's like, I cannot believe that actually, that actually happened. You know, like someone launched a thing copying loot and it made it green and that's all they did. And they had enough influence to like mint out blute who then he said, was like, Oh, I'm going to use blute. And I actually, like I said, I like beanie. I, I, I hate that people hate him so much because I just knew not to like put any money with him. Like, why would anybody do that? I mean, that's just my opinion, of course, like take it with a grain of salt, but it was just, I liked him for the entertainment factor. And I, he's also his name, you know, Beanie. I, my last name's Bean. So kind of, it kind of fit. <laughs> Bean, Lucas Beanie. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, there's been characters, man. There's been characters coming in and out of the space. Art chick, and, and, Beanie. Like, yeah. Art chick. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I, hey, listen, I appreciate you. Uh, uh, you know, usually when we're doing like community spaces and stuff, they're they're with NFT projects, and and we're going full on in security. But I appreciate you asking me about you know how I got here and and stuff yeah. like that. It's a little more natural of a conversation. So, um, shout out to you, man. It's 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 been a ride, Lucas. Definitely been a ride. It definitely has. It definitely has, man. It's uh, and I remember meeting Michael for the first time at NFT NYC in 2021, and man, that was the best. NFT NYC I've ever been to. I don't know. Like, yeah, they had Ape Fest the next year and stuff like that. And I get it. Like everybody was like partying and stuff like that. I still think the first one, the 2021 was really where the rubber hit the road. The real people were in the space. 
I, I didn't really meet anybody that's not in the space anymore in 2021. Like the people who took it really seriously, that's when I met most of the people. I met everybody, Michael, Tropo, all these people that are in all these, you know, bigger projects and bigger companies now and, you know, doing, doing great things that are still in the space. You know, everybody's still here in the space that I, I met at NFT NYC, almost everybody. That first, yeah, that, that first NFT NYC for me was definitely like a crazy feeling and, and, you know, seeing, seeing people that were there at NFT LA and it's like in your head, it's like, yo, these are the OGs. Like we didn't leave, you know, bear market, bull market doesn't matter. We're still here building, you know, like, 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 look, like imagine just, you know, wallet guard, like we just disappear when there's a bear market. Like, no, bro. Like no we're going way. even harder. I was going to say, market. this is perfect timing for you to go like <laughs> exactly. double, triple, quadruple down. People don't understand a lot of the times like market dynamics. And you know, like if you know history, you actually can predict the future. If you actually double down during hard times in any category in space, you gain so much market share by doing so. Most, yep. most companies like fortune 500, fortune 1000 companies will actually fire or reduce their marketing by 80, 90%, 90%. And they don't understand how short-sighted that is. That's why a lot of brands that you guys used to know are no longer around. Like, remember how, I don't know if you guys remember Reebok, but Reebok was a big shoe brand back in like the 80s and 90s. And it's gone now. It's because they pulled back on their marketing during a time, a, a very rough time in the market Nike doubled down on their marketing and look where Nike is, you know, and Reebok is like, basically doesn't even exist almost. There's yeah, a lot of, yeah. It also, it also works the other way around, right? Like you don't want to get too comfortable as a brand and say, Hey, we don't need to do anything. Right. <laughs> Complacency is just as much as not doing anything. So it's the same thing as like cutting back. If you don't do anything and you, and like, it's just as bad as cutting back as far as I'm concerned, you definitely have to trim the fat no matter what I get it. But uh, you know, Again, another great example that we all know is the liquid death. Liquid death, instead of reducing their marketing budget when the pandemic hit, all these other brands were out there. They doubled and tripled down on their marketing budget, and now they're a billion-dollar water brand, right? And that's because they used the method that all these other companies used during rough times in the market. They doubled, quadrupled down on marketing, which is really intelligent. You steal market share, you become a bigger and better company, you operate in a space that you have less competition in as well, so you get better deals because everybody else pulled back. You're getting cheaper CPMs, you're getting cheaper CPAs. Sorry if I'm using acronyms, guys, but it's just cheaper like to put out your ads and put out like marketing material and stuff like that. When everybody else has already turned off theirs, the price goes down, so. 100%, man, strategy strategy is, is you got to be ready bro like you could you can make or break during that bear market your competitors could come out on top and you you'll be sleeping when that's happening absolutely. i've seen it happen absolutely crazy. yeah i've seen it happen so many times in my career where like companies pull back and i'm like guys this is not even companies i worked for i was like hey you know we should not be pulling back we should be doubling down right now we should be you know maybe cutting some of these things over here like hey let's not rent to two uh floors at a hotel during south by southwest when only one person's going to the uh, south by southwest this year like why are we doing that like it's sixty thousand dollars to book those rooms like why don't we just cancel that insane and put it into marketing and they're like 
oh, okay, I guess. It's like, no, what do you mean you guess? <laughs> it's like, Bro, I think, I feel like logic sometimes is absent. Uh, logic is the word we're looking for here. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Some of the stuff is crazy. I don't know. What do you about NFT NYC, my man? Are you, I'm, I'm assuming you're going. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try, you know, I've hit up East Denver. Um, that was, that was a great event. We met yeah. a lot of different, you know, applications and VCs and stuff like that with the Walligar team. The whole Walligar team was at East Denver, which was awesome. Um, nice. th- then they sent me to NFTLA for the networking. We did the, we did sponsor the power space event uh, at champ Medici's house, which was an awesome event. So I was, it was, really I, cool. I was on that list. I just didn't go dude. Oh, uh, dude, it was a great event. You should have been there, man. I know. He's got man, a sick place. I know I blew, I, I blew that. I blew that one big time. So next time, dude, there's always another NFT event. No. Yeah. Well now it's like, you know, <laughs> NFT Miami, right? Like I, I wish I could make that. There's like, you know, in the middle of moving to Texas and then there's NFT NYC in a couple of weeks. It's like, it's a lot, bro. You know, I know. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to spread myself too thin. Plus we're, we're building like heavy in the background, um, getting ready for our next seed round in July. So it's been insane, but yeah, I'm going to, I'll let you know if I definitely, if I definitely, hit I'm not going, sure. I'm not going to NYC, bro. Like I literally, I wasn't, I was at LA. So I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I didn't even go to the, most of the events that I was like, had, you know, access to. I, I went to like two events the entire time. Like everybody was like stacking events. Like it was, you know, friggin' you're 20 years old and you know, it was like, you know, spring break or something like that. You know, I didn't want to get wrecked every, every <laughs> I didn't want to get wrecked every night, man. I wanted to actually be yeah. productive, you know? But, yeah, by like the fifth, by like the fourth or fifth night, I was I was pretty tired. It was like the same feeling after going to Ape Fest four nights in a row. Yeah, like yeah. you just want to chop your legs off at the end, you know. <laughs> Even though it's fun and you want to be there. <laughs> yeah, but it's like the fear of missing out is like a real thing, and just because like the space already, just you know, trading NFTs, you're always you the fear of missing out on like getting a mint or buying on the secondary at a low price. Why it goes 10x, and it's like that is stronger in this space with people too, because of that mentality. They're like, Oh, I got to go to every event. Otherwise I'm going to miss X or I'm going to miss Y or whatever happens. I didn't feel like I missed anything except for like hanging out with some good people. And I got that with at a, the wolf party there, you know, that wolf one kind of like, yeah, the wolf financial. Yeah. That was a good one. That was a good one, man. It wasn't too crazy. It was, uh, it was just my speed right there. And I almost went to ape water afterwards. I know you gave me the, the, the alpha on that one. And, uh, man, I was on my way to that thing and I was just like, I am just, I'm just ready to go home, dude. I was just like, I gotta get out of here. Luca, Lucas needs his beauty sleep. (laughs) Right. You see how ugly I am, dude. I need as much beauty sleep as I can get. So word. that bro um but yeah dude it's been it's been awesome you know vibing with you in the space man we we definitely gotta definitely gotta jump into more of them um yeah, I, I have i got a meeting coming up at 12 15 which is in four, well 12 15 central time which is in four minutes but i wish i could stay forever <laughs> oh no you're good dude well i have spaces every day so every every morning at 9 a.m for now until i change it i have to decide like where i'm gonna do afternoons or nights or mornings i'm not sure which ones actually work the best but i'm testing still so michael it's been a pleasure man thanks for being on the show today um and just catching up like it was great to see you at nftla it's just going to be moving forward i can't wait to see what you guys do at Wallagard. and i'm glad you're in austin man that's a good move it's a little bit colder yeah. there it's not florida but you know it's a good move yeah i think uh i think it's a good medium and and it was definitely great seeing you as well and i i, I know we're going to be 
We'll be in the space tomorrow. We'll be in the space in a year from now. We'll be here 10 years from now. It does not matter. I'm never going back to Web2. I'm never going back to Fiat. I live, eat, and breathe the blockchain. Wallet Guard's where it's at. This is where we're dedicating our time. And, and we want to bring this education to the users. If you're not following my me already, hit that hit that profile button. If you're not following Wallet Guard, hit that profile button. And I greatly appreciate you for the space again, Lucas. Absolutely, my man. And and like Michael said, if you want to have your stuff, your assets protected, download Wallet Guard. It actually saves you from 99.9% of everything, uh, any kind of nefarious attacks. It doesn't, you don't have to actually worry as much in which you shouldn't have to do in the first place. Right. So yeah, Mike, thanks for being on and, uh, Mintify. I want to make sure I give a shout out to Mintify, not a paid sponsor, just a guy, just a company that actually partners with me to give me these, uh, morning updates. And I have to say Mintify is also a great piece of software. I love the founder. I love the software. It actually, again, if you want to do some high frequency trading and other things like that, go check out Mintify. Great platform. It has great news and updates. So I highly recommend checking it out. At least give them a follow and then see what they have. And um, if you don't like it from there, you don't have to use it. You know what I mean? It's your choice. That's the thing that everybody has to understand. If you buy an NFT, that's your choice. If you use Mintify, that's your choice. It's nobody else's fault. You, you're using the device. <laughs> All right. That's it for our show today. And I will see you guys tomorrow at 9 a.m. sharp Pacific time.